You're listening to From the Front Lines, a special podcast from WUFT during the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast provides weekly updates on Florida's coronavirus response with a particular focus on North Central Florida. Each week, From the Front Lines will feature community leaders and frontline workers working to reopen their communities safely during these challenging times. Hello, I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and this is From the Front Lines. Hurricane season starts June 1st and runs through November 30th. That's nothing new for Floridians, but what could be particularly concerning is having to prepare for a storm during the COVID-19 pandemic. Emergency management officials are already preparing for that scenario, and Florida Division of Emergency Management Director Jared Moskowitz says things like evacuations will look different than years past. Now, potentially, county emergency managers will be saying, know your home, know your zone, know your home. So if you live in a surge zone, yes, you'll still have to get out. But if your house is a new construction, it's built to code, and we get a Category 1 or Category 2 storm, perhaps they'll decide that the safest place for you to be is in your home. As people flock to stores this week to buy supplies during the hurricane tax holiday, we will dive into how Floridians are preparing for a hurricane season taking place during a pandemic. In this episode, we start off with what predictions are saying about the type of hurricane season we can expect. We'll also look at how emergency management officials are including COVID-19 in their hurricane preparations, and we'll talk to various businesses and institutions around the state about how a pandemic and a hurricane this year could be the double whammy they don't need. Two named storms so far in the 2020 hurricane season hasn't even begun. While Arthur earlier this month and Bertha this week already gave us a taste of hurricane prep during a pandemic, we could be in for a busy season. Josh Williams spoke with University of Florida meteorologist Ray Hawthorne about what people can expect. Ray, first of all, tell me, what are we looking at for this hurricane season? Well, Josh, all the indications that we have right now are that an active season is likely. There are no guarantees in the business of seasonal forecasting. But all of the factors that we do know about that go into a seasonal prediction, such as warm water across the Atlantic, Caribbean, and the Gulf of Mexico, uh, very light winds high up in the atmosphere, and climatic patterns appear to be favoring more storms than normal across uh, the Atlantic Ocean. That doesn't necessarily mean all of those storms are going to uh, head toward the U.S. coastline. They may or they may not, and that, that's really not predictable until uh, several days in advance. But everything we're seeing so far is that uh, it looks like there'll be quite a few storms out there during the course of the season. We say more than normal. What is normal? Yeah, so over the, la- over the last uh, 20 years or so, typically we average around 13 or 14 named storms during the course of a hurricane season. And of those tropical storms, uh, we tend to average roughly around six or so hurricanes. And of those six hurricanes, two or maybe three of those become major category three hurricanes or higher. So uh, those are kind of the baseline numbers that we look at every season. And we expect the numbers to generally be higher than that. Most of the forecasts we've seen so far, they vary, of course, from agency to agency, but uh, typically they're in the range of 15, 16, 17 named storms. Some agencies are forecasting more than that. And generally uh, between about six and about nine hurricanes are what most uh, agencies that make these forecasts are, uh, are forecasting for this year. Hurricane season hasn't even started yet and we're already seeing a number of named storms. Is this that abnormal? Um, it's not totally abnormal. In fact, 
out of the last six hurricane seasons, we have had at least one tropical or subtropical storm occur uh, before June 1st. Now that's a bit of an anomaly. Uh, it's pretty unusual. In fact, I don't think we've had this long of a stretch where we've had a named storm prior to the start of hurricane season, at least in consecutive years. But if you look at the longer historical record over 100 years, it's fairly unusual. Most of the, the storms, especially the major storms, are happening uh, between June 1st and November 30th. Uh, so it's, it's not unusual. It doesn't by itself mean that the season's going to be active, but there are other factors this year that suggest that it, that it will be busy. What sources of information should people be looking to to get info on hurricane season? Yeah, so the, the primary source is the National Hurricane Center. So they're the official government source. Uh, and what they do is uh, they have a team of meteorologists there and they'll, they'll go ahead and they'll track storms throughout the entire season. Um, they can uh, go ahead and marshal the forces, so to speak, of um, the Air Force and also NOAA to fly planes into those storms and acquire information for us. So um, they're the ones, uh, they coordinate a lot of the watches and warnings for other countries outside of the United States and work with their governments as well. So there are many countries in the Caribbean, Mexico that um, get hit Bermuda, they get hit by tropical storms and hurricanes all the time. So they go ahead and they coordinate a lot of, of that activity and they're the ones who issue the watches and warnings for hurricanes and they'll pass that information along to media sources. So uh, your best bet when it comes to official forecasts are from the National Hurricane Center themselves uh, or a trusted media source. Uh, local meteorologists are very well tuned in to uh, what's happening with the Hurricane Center. They too understand the science and they can localize uh, those forecasts that come from the Hurricane Center and give folks a sense of what's happening or what's likely to happen uh, in their area. And you work with FPREN as well. Right. How do they get information out? What are they providing? Yeah, so FPREN is the Florida Public Radio Emergency Network. So uh, we'll basically we cover the public radio sphere, so to speak. And so there are 13 public radio stations across the state of Florida, from the Panhandle, Pensacola, all the way to Miami and Key West, cover just about every inch of the state. Uh, we provide that information, so we're one of the outlets that uh, provides the information to that particular audience, and there are ways to get that through uh, that information through their public radio affiliates, and then also uh, through the Florida Storms application as well, and, and we use official sources to, uh, to relay that, that information. What else do people need to know? Yeah, ahead of this season, uh, every, what's on everybody's mind right now is the pandemic, COVID-19, and, and uh, how that's going to change things. And for a lot of us, it doesn't change a lot of things. We still have to be prepared this season. Even if I were sitting here right now and said, you know what, we're not expecting a lot of named storms, even though that's not the forecast right now, uh, it really only does take one named storm to hit you and cause a lot of trouble. So it really doesn't matter in terms of preparation. You've got to be prepared for, for these things. And hopefully people are in the mindset this year just because of the pandemic of, of having to go out and, and get supplies and have enough supplies on hand so that they may not have to visit the grocery store so frequently that that's top of mind. And that really has to continue to be top of mind uh, even now. If we think of the pandemic, Normally, the supply chains aren't affected as much, but that can be very different if a storm hits your area and then you need supplies 
during and especially after the storm, it can be hard for those supplies to arrive to those locations. So it really it changes the game a little bit from that standpoint. But still, you really need to be prepared ahead of time. Have your supplies. Now is the time to do that. Don't wait till the last minute. Starting today, sales tax is being waived on items used to prepare hurricane kits. These kits are essential as the hurricane season approaches and this may be your best time to get the best deals. But what if you need an item that is still a hot commodity due to COVID-19? Cameron Lund has more from a local supermarket and a state official on what Floridians can expect when planning for a hurricane this year during a pandemic. From Friday, May 29th to Thursday, June 4th, sales taxes are being waived in the state of Florida for hurricane supplies. From as small as a AA battery to as large as gasoline-powered generators, these items will be able to be purchased without sales tax added. This disaster preparation tax holiday was approved in the state's nearly $50 million tax package. In 2019, the disaster preparedness holiday saved Floridians an estimated $5 million on their hurricane supplies. But what is needed in your kit? A hurricane kit can be one or two containers or bags that include essential items during a potential disaster such as hurricanes. Most kits have water, non-perishable food, flashlights, battery-powered radios, and other items that can be used when your power goes out or worse, if you need to evacuate. One of the biggest challenges of assembling your kit this season is the lack of disinfectants and sanitizers on the market due to COVID-19. Leslie Chapman Henderson, president and CEO of the Federal Alliance for Safe Homes, or FLASH, spoke about the need for these items in one's disaster preparedness kit. Clorox wipes, hand sanitizer, because if, so say the water supply goes down or the power goes down and you can't use the drinking water safely, you're going to have to revert to a different method to clean your hands. So those surfaces, keeping those clean, having hand sanitizer, either homemade or purchased are probably going to be one of the better new additions to your kit. Along with that, Chapman Henderson also states that if supplies are hard to get, continue to look online. We have been seeing a lot of um, supplies that have been very difficult to get kind of returned to the marketplace. Just keep searching online. Set up a, um, in some of the cases, you can go online and put in a request and they'll notify you when things are back in stock. That's a great way to do it and then you'll get an alert. I just got one the other day. Danielle Ward-Williams is an owner of Ward Supermarket in Gainesville, located on Northwest 23rd Avenue. She says that she is not expecting any extra customers at this time. It usually, in years past, has not affected the grocery store business. We really don't see an influx in customers during that time. She has, however, seen the number of customers at her store drop as the state allows for businesses to operate at 50% capacity, making shopping for Ward's customers a little easier. We are seeing some of the numbers um, drop as far as customer count that's coming through our store is not as significant as it has been. Um, people are being able to shop the stores a little bit more since we have 50% capacity. But if you are looking for canned goods to stock up on, Danielle says they've got them. No, we are very well stocked and we are prepared. Some of the largest items one might save on do have price limits. Generators cannot be priced over $750 or they will be ineligible for the sales tax being waived. Tarps and coolers being sold for over $50 and $30 respectively are also ineligible. To see what items are and are not tax-free, be sure to check out a more detailed list at floridarevenue.com slash disaster prep. 
While the COVID-19 pandemic has us staying at home as much as possible, what happens when a storm makes that impossible? As Florida enters into hurricane season, intense storms could threaten to interrupt the stay-at-home routine we've all been trying to keep over these past few months. Melissa Fato spoke to several experts in emergency planning about how sheltering from a hurricane, whether in a public shelter or at home, takes on a new meaning this year. The ongoing COVID-19 pandemic already has Floridians on high alert, but with the arrival of hurricane season on June 1st, the normal storm preparations we do every year may be changing out of necessity. The biggest thing I think that we will be challenged with is with sheltering. That's Dr. Jeffrey Lindsay, a professor of fire and emergency services at the University of Florida. An experienced first responder himself, Dr. Jeffrey Lindsay says the decision to evacuate to a shelter and risk exposure to the virus makes for a different approach this year. Um, in the past, it's always been, you know, get everyone into a central location, evacuate basically in small quarters. There'll be, a, I think, a more of a thought process of can we shelter in place? This year, emergency managers don't want to displace people any more than is absolutely necessary. For those in evacuation zones, the choice comes down to sheltering at home, sheltering with friends or family outside of the evacuation zone, or going to emergency shelters. Nellis County is a very densely populated county in this, in this state, and basically rethought their whole process of evacuations that do we really have to evacuate everyone off of Pinellas County in order for it to be safe. Kathy Perkins is the Director of Emergency Management in Pinellas County. She also says that in addition to modifying emergency shelters, they are being more careful about deciding who must evacuate and who is safe enough to stay home. Uh, we're also looking very closely at the evacuation areas and are there ways for us to reduce the number of people that we evacuate for each storm? Experts say don't wait until the last minute to take action. As Dr. Angie Lindsay, no relation to Dr. Jeffrey Lindsay, of the University of Florida's Extension Disaster Education Network says, plan, 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 and then plan some more. COVID-19 adds an extra layer of planning for uh, hurricane season this year. I think as Floridians, you know, we're very resilient and we're very used to hurricanes and tropical storms. And I think for a lot of us, we're like, oh, I have a plan in my head. Dr. Angie Lindsay urges residents to make an evacuation plan that mitigates the risk of COVID-19. That includes identifying a place to go, maybe instead of an emergency shelter, should you need to leave your home. I am in an evacuation zone. However, I've got a cousin or I've got a friend across town who's not an evacuation zone. Maybe it's a phone call during blue skies when we're not in the midst of hurricane season where we can say, hey, if I have to evacuate because I'm in an evacuation zone, can we come and stay with you? This year, hurricane kits won't just require water, batteries, and non-perishable food, but also masks, gloves, and hand sanitizer, which is why she urges people to slowly build their stores up over time to avoid empty shelves. Every week, add a couple of items to your grocery list. Hal Grebe is the Director of Emergency Management in Alachua County. Since the county is inland, most residents don't have to worry about evacuating in the event of a storm, but some still live in vulnerable areas. What we're really targeting for those who need shelter are those people in flood-prone areas or manufactured housing. For those who will have no choice but to leave their homes and have nowhere else to go, Grieb says that emergency shelters will be modified to keep people as safe as possible. Every square foot matters. You know, traditionally for an emergency shelter, for the average person that needs shelter, you're looking at 20 square foot per person. 
So you're really kind of crammed in there. It's not comfortable, um, but you've got a space to ride out the tropical storm force impacts. So now that's changed. You know, there, there's guidance anywhere from 45 square foot per person to up, upwards of 110 square foot per person. So really reevaluating our shelter facilities. Grebe says that one of the most important things residents can do ahead of a storm is knowing the strengths and weaknesses of your home. If you're a new resident, talk to your neighbors about their experience during previous storms. If you're a renter, ask your management company about your house or apartment. Grebe says some things to consider are the age of the property, the materials, and if there's been regular maintenance on roof and windows. After Hurricane Andrew in 1992, Florida has developed some of the safest building codes in the country. So if you're in a building that's, that's recently built, uh, you know, in the 2000s or later, like, you're, you're okay for, uh, for the wind, the wind impacts, things like that. Like, uh, the most vulnerable, vulnerable parts of a home are the garage and the roof. To check if your residence is in a flood zone, visit msc.fema.gov. He adds to check the nearby streets as well for flooding to ensure that post-impact you won't be trapped. What happens when you have to find shelter in a place that is not your normal home? Nearly three-fourths of the students attending Florida's 12 public universities are from a different county than the one the school they attend is in. The Florida Board of Governors unanimously approved a plan to reopen university campuses in the fall semester on Thursday. So while they are planning to bring students back safely during a pandemic, what are campuses doing to keep their communities safe from hurricanes while also stopping the spread of COVID-19? Anthony Montalto reached out to university officials statewide to find out. Hurricanes mean different things to different people. For some seasoned Floridians, a hurricane means a break from work or school. For others, it means days of preparation. And for college campuses across the state, it's the latter. We got to go out into the community, talk to different segments of the university, and really get their buy-in on how we wanted to conduct ourselves. So, of course, we had to talk to, you know, housing about what we're going to do with our students. And we had to talk with our business services to talk about feeding our students. And then we had to talk about resource management of how we get people, you know, sandbags in advance of the storm or maybe filling up generators. That's Joseph Thalheimer. He's the Interim Emergency Management Director at the University of Central Florida. He says this year, the university is rolling out a new plan to protect students and staff from hurricanes. But right now, the thing students and parents want to know the most is how college campuses will open with the threat of coronavirus. There's been a number of task forces that have been created university-wide to discuss uh, how we're going to conduct business in this new, you know, post-coronavirus and uh, current coronavirus world. And, you know, really, for us, leading into the fall, it's about being flexible. But Thalheimer says UCF is preparing for both scenarios, a hurricane threat while maintaining Centers for Disease Control social distancing measures. And he says flexibility is the most important thing here, too. So hurricanes is going to look completely different this year than it has in previous years. We're working on plans as it relates to how do we do social distancing and things in rideout locations. And we hope to have them finalized in the next couple of weeks. He says only about 8 to 10 percent of students stay on campus to ride out a hurricane. And Florida State University Emergency Management Director Curtis Summerhoff says his school sees something similar. A storm like Irma, a storm like Michael, 
you know, what remained in student housing was in the hundreds, not the thousands. Summerhoff says FSU is also still in the planning stages, but plans to follow new CDC shelter guidelines. New guidance has come out. That new guidance is suggesting 60 square feet per person in a shelter. And of course, you know, you, that's to make sure that there is some physical distancing between you and the next person. Obviously, cleaning and disinfection is going to be a, a huge piece of any kind of shelter or refuge on campus, whatever we might be doing. Typically, those checking into a hurricane shelter would be given at least 20 feet of space. Summerhoff says the new guidelines would provide for better social distancing in shelters. But what about students who go home to their families during hurricane threats? Summerhoff says the university is evaluating that too. He says the university would need to keep an eye on the virus situation when it comes to students leaving and returning. The university would have to again adjust to what are the current circumstances do we do we have people kind of self-quarantine for two weeks before returning uh, return and then quarantine for two weeks or do we evaluate whether there's some other screening or testing process fsu isn't the only school looking into testing options the university of florida announced earlier this month that it plans to start a test and trace program to get its campus functioning again UF was unavailable for comment, as were six other universities I contacted. Florida Atlantic University was one of them, but university spokesperson Joshua Glanzer provided a short written statement, reading, quote, We have not yet finalized our plans for fall. FAU is following guidance from the state as well as the State University System's Board of Governors as we develop our plan for fall operations. Once our plan is approved by the Board of Governors, details will be communicated to the university community via our advisory page, end quote. The state university system is online through the remainder of the summer semesters as campuses work on their plans to reopen. And for UCF and FSU, it looks like those plans will include hurricane preparedness during unprecedented times. Local businesses around the state of Florida have faced many struggles during the coronavirus pandemic, but as hurricane season approaches, the added pressure of a storm can cause even more stress. Taylor Levesque spoke to business owners on how they plan to prepare for this year's hurricane season. Hurricane season officially starts Monday, but amidst the coronavirus pandemic, for a couple local businesses around Florida, hurricane season has been the least of their worries. In St. Augustine, owner of Anchor Boutique, Laurel Baker, says the pandemic has consumed the majority of her time. It's funny, I haven't really had a chance to even think about the hurricane because of everything else. Which was a common response I heard from others too, like Arvo Surf and Coffee owner, Lindsay Magnus. I have not truthfully thought about hurricane season yet. I think we've just had so much else going on that we haven't even processed that. <laughs> Magnus has been focusing on getting her business back on track to reopen. The surf shop and coffee bar located on St. Pete Beach in Pinellas County was originally scheduled to open in March, but Magnus says the virus delayed construction and inventory delivery. Before the virus actually even affected the United States, we started getting notice of delays in shipments because factories were closed down. The company that we used for construction started a policy where only two employees of theirs could be in the shop at a time, which meant the work was way slowed down. Certain products that they were using, they were unable to get. We decided to stay closed as long as the virus was prevalent in the state. The virus influenced Guanabana's restaurant in Jupiter, Florida to stay closed too. 
But for this outdoor restaurant, Vice President John Sullivan says hurricane season is important to think about and use their seven-week closure period to prepare. It allowed us to do all sorts of preparation work that would normally take us several weeks to do. So we were able to bring in a crew to prep all of our trees. We do a lot of landscape prepping for hurricane season. Each business is different in how they prepare to protect. For Paw Paw's Pet Boutique in Madeira Beach, being located on the water doesn't seem to be a major concern for owner Kevin Mulrennan. We have hurricane doors, hurricane windows, so there's not a whole lot we can do to prepare. If we get another hurricane and, and it's, a, it's a big one and, you know, we're closed, it's Nothing compared to being closed for seven weeks and being, you know, practically quarantined in your house. So I'm not that worried about hurricane season compared to what we just got through and are still going through. But in Siesta Key, CB Saltwater Outfitters offers boat and jet ski rentals. Owner Aleda Tush says a lot of preparation goes into making sure the boats are safe from the threat of rising water. We have 20 boat rentals, so we have to do a lot of preparation for the boat. Sometimes they have to go on trailers, they have to move off the property. It's a lot of work. So on the topic of preparation, what is the best way to prep your business? I spoke with former FEMA Administrator Craig Fugate about how to keep yourself, your employees, and your business safe this hurricane season. How is this year's hurricane prep different than years past? Well, there's a lot of things that are very similar, but of course, the difference is we're also experiencing COVID-19. So a lot of the preparedness activity this year is one of the things that we're recommending people do is add to their disaster supplies, masks, gloves, and hand sanitizers, uh, particularly for those folks that may need to evacuate. Many businesses that I've spoken to have shifted a lot of their focus on the coronavirus and haven't really even thought about preparing for hurricane season. Is it too late for them to start preparing if they haven't already? No, the the peak of hurricane season really isn't until about mid-August. Hurricane season will start June 1st and goes through November 30th. So it's never too late until there's a storm. Say a storm were to form and you only have a couple days to gather all your supplies. Supplies right now are already in high demand. So do you have any advice on how business owners especially should go about that? This will be something that they need to think about now. The uh, state of Florida will have their sales tax holiday, an opportunity for people to get discounted supplies. But if you wait to the last minute, not only is it usually harder to get those supplies, they're in short demand. Better to start stockpiling now before there is a storm. Now, when it comes to wind damage, flooding, storm surge, a lot of these businesses may be on the water or on the coast. Is there a different way for each business to prepare for each of those consequences? Yeah, the first thing is make sure they have the right kind of insurance to protect their property uh, if there are damages and be able to make repairs. The, the big thing that a lot of businesses think about and do during these storms is move the really expensive stuff out of flood zone. They'll reduce their inventory so they don't have to move it. And they'll try to elevate and protect everything from computers to you know, cash registers and stuff or remove them from the stores if they're in an area that may be flooded. A business should have an emergency kit. What is crucial for them to have in their kit? Particularly small businesses, this doesn't have to be very elaborate. It really just gets down to 
financial planning, uh, having the right insurance, uh, having a communication plan with your employees, knowing if you're going to have to close your store, are you a store that you can close early or are you a store that provides essential services? But you need to communicate with your employees when you plan to shut down if a storm's approaching so that the employees can also make sure their plans are set Sometimes it's giving people time off before the storm gets there so they can go take care of their family so they can continue to work up until when you plan to shut down. So it's very much the type of business you're in. Are you in an evacuation zone? Are you not in an evacuation zone? How long do you plan to stay open and when do you plan to close? After a storm hits, what processes are critical to businesses continuity after a hurricane? Well, the, the, the obvious things is make sure, I think a lot of people will rush to the buildings and try to see if the buildings are still in good shape. But I, I think the, the high priority needs to be make sure your folks are okay. Check on your building. Uh, work with local officials when it's safe to get back into areas. Look at, you know, if you did have damages, what immediately needs to be done to stabilize and stop the loss and then start planning your reopening. But you're going to need to understand that if you're just responding, you haven't really thought this out, there's a lot of steps that could be missed, everything from contacting the insurance adjuster to your suppliers about when you would expect to get supplies back. Example, you know, if I have a, a convenience store, when will I have power back or do I have a generator? Uh, where's my fuel supplier at? When can I get fuel back? How do I restock? You know, if, if I had things in the freezers, in the refrigerators, and we lost power, cleaning all that, getting that back up. And again, a lot of this can seem overwhelming, but if you if you put together a, a basic plan that helps you walk through these steps, it makes it more manageable for small businesses, particularly with this year. Many of them are already financially stressed or in some cases have are being forced out of business because of lack of customers. So there's a lot of financial impacts as we go into this hurricane season. Now you've touched on it a little bit about finances, and right now a lot of businesses are already going through a financial hit, and if a hurricane were to come through, that could get an even worse. So does the state do anything, or is there anything that businesses can consult in their local communities to get relief? Well, there's a couple of things outside of insurance. Generally, when we see these big disasters, we'll also see Small Business Administration uh, disaster loan programs. And again, a lot of people are, are, are saying a loan program. I don't want to take on more debt, but it can be a bridge to get you back up. And the state of Florida has another program actually called Bridge Loan, which are designed for small businesses just to help them in the days and weeks after a, a storm hits to provide some operational cash while they get their small business administration loans going and, and get that assistance. But this goes back to having a good financial plan but the reality, unfortunately, is that we've seen in the state of Florida, pre-COVID, high failure rates in small businesses after disasters. One way we can help alleviate that is to put more emphasis on buying and hiring local services in a disaster. I think this will be key to helping communities cover. It is great to bring all the folks from around the country to help out in the disaster, and we're still going to need to do that. But I think many cases are best resources are our community small businesses, but we have to expect that we will see high failure rates in small businesses. I don't think we can avoid that, and I think COVID-19 is going to make it worse. But at least we can attempt to help businesses transition during a disaster by looking at how we engage them and their services more effectively in our disaster recovery. Uh, again, I think the more businesses can think through this and going, uh, how we're going to do this, 
put a priority on our people, stuff second, insurance that I can afford, having a plan to reopen safely until conditions are more favorable for returning back to a profitable business. From the Front Lines is a production of the Innovation News Center at the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. Thank you to our producers, Taylor Levesque, Anthony Montalto, Josh Williams, Melissa Fato, and Cameron Lund. Also, thanks to our fellow Florida public media stations for their contributions to this podcast. And a special thank you to Matt Abramson and Craig Lee for their work behind the scenes. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have a story to share with From the Front Lines, please contact WUFT on Facebook or Twitter or send an email to news at WUFT.org. That's news at WUFT.org. Join us next Friday for another edition of From the Front Lines. I'm your host, Ryan Vasquez, and of course, thanks for listening.